Let's pray to the Lord. Father, we just, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, your word says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, there's many things, Lord, that we could be worried about right now. There's a lot of things, Lord, that are trying to distract us from being here right now, Lord. But we want to obey your word, God. So we just ask you, Lord, that you would bring joy to us at this moment, Lord. That we would be glad and that we would glorify you, Lord. God, as we sit here together as a body, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that greeting time, that time to just catch up, Father. And today, Lord, we just want to pray for each and every church, Lord, in our city, God. Father, we want to pray for churches like City Lights. Lord, we want to pray for churches like Chicago Tab, Midwest Bible Church. Lord, we want to pray for churches like Progressive Baptist Church on the south side. Lord, we want to pray, Lord, that today, Father, your sweet presence, Lord, would meet with our brothers and sisters throughout the city, God. Lord, we ask that today, Father, you would meet with us. God, many of us need a word from you today. Many of us are struggling, Lord, with a lot of things, Father. So we ask that your word would illuminate our hearts, Lord, and that we would leave here, Lord saying, surely God was among us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, church family, as I said, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I am one of the pastors here at the Brook. It's, a, it's an honor and privilege um, to serve on the pastoral team here at the Brook. If this is your first time, um, I want to let you know that we've been to church for about six years. God has done a wonderful work here in, in the northwest side of Chicago. Yeah. And we are we are a bunch of imperfect people who love a perfect God. And the reason why we love our perfect God is because he's made known a particular message to us. And the name of that message is the gospel message. Maybe you may have heard it. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is the first time. But I want to summarize what the gospel is because it's important for us to understand what we believe because it influences everything that we do, like what we sing or why we sing. Why are we so emotional when we hear God's word? We got to know what the gospel is. And in summary, the gospel message is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord over all creation. He's sovereign. He runs everything. But with that, we are sinful people. If we look at our lives, we see that we don't live according to God's design. We disobey God. We don't love God the way that we should. We don't love people the way that we should. And this is an offense to God punishable by death. It's what we deserve. So when we sing songs about the death of Jesus, it might be awkward if this is your first time hearing this, but the reason why we sing about the death of Jesus is because Jesus took our place. And if you just sit there for a second and think about that, that somebody took your place, took the electric chair essentially of that day, dying on a cross for your sin, it moves you to just praise But with that, what we also believe is that the only way to have a relationship with God is if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus died for your sins. It's only by faith. It's not what you do. It's not by coming to service. It's not how many times you read your Bible. It's what you believe that makes you right with God. What we do is the overflow of what we believe. 
And that's why we're so joyful. That's why we love to sing about God. It's because we believe in what Jesus did. We believe that that's a fact, a historical fact that Jesus died for our sins. And if Jesus died for sin, then one author says he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's God. And we pray that today you would meet him as God. And as we think about belief, we we, we, we call that faith in the Bible. If you were to read the Bible, you would see that, that the Bible describes this belief in the gospel message, the good news of Jesus as faith. Now, the interesting thing about faith is that faith oftentimes brings a lot of skepticism. And now a few maybe year or months ago, you may have heard of, of Kanye West. Coming to faith in Jesus, he began to believe in Jesus. That's what he started proclaiming. And, and many of us met that with a lot of skepticism. We're like, man, is that true? You sure about that? Or, or, or what, about, what about that ex-husband or that ex-wife? Or maybe that, that ex-boyfriend or maybe that person in real community or at this church that you really don't like. Or maybe you're, 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 you're a student here and you're like, man... My, my, my parent just went off on me like two weeks ago. Do they really believe in Jesus? We, we meet a lot of people's faith in Jesus with a lot of skepticism. And I want you to think about that for a second. If the person that you really don't like began to believe in Jesus, or that person who believes in Jesus that you don't like, begins to feel the fruit of their faith in Jesus, how would that make you feel? Would you be skeptical? Would you be confused? You know, insecurity is an interesting thing because insecurity oftentimes leads us to be skeptics. We get skeptical when people have faith in Jesus because the faith, faith in Jesus reminds us that the cross of Jesus is scandalous, man. Because it changes the worst of the worst. And if you believe in Jesus, you, you believe that you're the worst of the worst. But the people around us might think that, man, we're crazy. Is this, is this legit? You know, in culture, we, we have this saying, when something is good, when something sounds good to us, we say, man, that's, that's music to my ears. Maybe, maybe you just got your fat refund check and you're like, man, that's... That's music to my ears. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe you, you got a diagnosis back. You thought it was going to be a, a medical report that was horrible, but it, it was actually a good report. And you were like, man, that is music to my ears, right? Well, the gospel is surely good news to our ears because it saves us from our mess. But today I want to speak from a particular subject that might actually shatter our conception or our skepticism, and it's this. I like to tag this sermon, the faith of others is music to our ears. The faith of others is music to our ears. Now, I know some of you guys are looking at me a little skeptical, and that's okay. But, but today I, I want to look at Romans chapter 1. If you could turn your Bibles, Romans chapter 1. And that's page 937 in the, in the Bible underneath your chair. And we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 15. And there we see how the faith of others was met by a man named Paul. 
Now, Paul could have met the, the faith of these believers. They were, they were believers in the ancient city of Rome. It was the biggest city in the Roman Empire. It was the capital city. And here, Paul, he shows us how we should meet other people's or how we should treat other people's faith. And we see from this text three things, three things that should happen when we hear about the faith of others in Jesus. Three things. If you could rise to your feet, if you can. In Romans chapter 1, verse 8 through 15. The word of God says this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under the obligation of both, the, of both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach. I'm eager to preach. Romans, I'm eager to preach. Brooke family, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You may take your seats. As I said before, if we're saying that the faith of others should be music to our ears, then the question on the floor today is, what should happen when the faith of others becomes music to our ears? Well, the first thing that happens is the faith of others evokes prayer. And I want you to look at that in verse, in verse 8. More specifically, faith should be met with, the, with prayers of thanksgiving. And I want you to look at, at verse 8 in the beginning. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. He's, he's saying, I pray for you. The reason why I know that is because I thank God means I'm communicating with God. But then he says something interesting. He says, through Jesus Christ. This tells us something about prayer. Prayer is dialogue with God. But I want you to understand this. We can't pray apart from Jesus Christ. So it's not that we can pray. It's that we get to pray because of Jesus Christ. Now, now, now let me break that down for you for a second. Humans, we are all inherently evil. You don't believe me? Go down to the Brook Kids and see if all the kids pay attention. Naturally... They're, they're a little disobedient, right? We're all evil since birth. And God is purely good. The Bible, when it describes God as purely good, it means that God is holy. He has no wickedness in him. 
And because evil can't mix with God, God requires a sacrifice as a payment in order to have relationship with God. So without a sacrifice, there is no dialogue with God. Without no dialogue with God, you are just lost in this world. But see, the good thing about Jesus is that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died once and for all for all of our sins. And the moment that you believe in Jesus is the moment that you get to pray. Now, the interesting thing about prayer is that prayer is not a time where you just give your wish list to God. We said prayer is a dialogue through Jesus Christ. And if it's a dialogue through Jesus Christ, then that means that not only do we speak to God, but God speaks to us. God begins to transform our minds and our hearts and our actions when we pray. And here, Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Which is to say that when we pray, when we witness the faith of other people, even people that we might be skeptical about, God transforms our hearts from skepticism to gratitude. He begins to change the way that people and the way that we see ourselves and, and, and we see, man, they, they received the grace of God. And I want to thank God for that. God begins to transform us through prayer. Furthermore, when we pray, God begins to transform us because then God begins to well up a desire for us to do God's will in supporting their faith. Now, that might be a little bit countercultural because if it's something that you don't like or somebody that you're skeptical about, you know that you need a lot of strength to support someone else's faith. You smell what I'm stepping in? <laughs> right? I know there's some people you don't like. I, I got them too. But when we pray... God not only moves us to gratitude, God also moves us to support them. And this is what we see in the text. That's why he says in verse 10, look at it. He says, for this reason, I serve God with my spirit, asking somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. See, Paul, he is in a city called Corinth when he's writing this letter and the Roman church he had never had contact with them and there were some people in Rome saying man Paul you're 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 a you're a you're a you're the missionary of the first century that everybody's talking about but you've never come to Rome so so maybe you're a little scared and here Paul is saying like I ain't scared I actually pray that God would bring me to you which tells us something about prayer. This means that as Paul serves and prays to God with a sincere heart and his inner being, that's why he says, with my spirit, his prayer is not to avoid them, but to support them according to God's will. In this context, God's will is a reference to the way that God makes things happen in your life. This is called the sovereign will of God. This is a reference to the way that God orchestrates things in your life to happen so that you can obey him. Here, what Paul is saying is, I'm praying that in God's sovereignty, in God's divine orchestration, that he would make room for me to go to Rome so that I can be with you. So what does that tell us about prayer? 
when we see the faith of others. First, it tells us that God transforms our heart into a thankful heart for that person or those people. But then it also reminds us that God wants us to pray for ways that we can support those people according to the way he's orchestrating things in our lives. So the next time that you look at that person that you don't like, that ex-husband, that ex-wife, maybe, maybe it's even your spouse, or maybe it's that bully in school, and, and you're like, man, you see a transformation in their life. I want to encourage you to come to God in prayer and ask God to give you specific things that you could be thankful about. And I wanted you to also ask God for specific ways that you could support that person in their faith. Maybe it's just praying for them. Maybe it's supporting them financially. And maybe it's taking them out for a meal. God wants us to pray for people that we might be skeptical about. Now, you may fall into the trap that another's faith can't strengthen your own. Some of us think that because we've been walking with Christ for a long time, you know, we're like the Navy SEALs of Christianity. <laughs> we're like, you know, we, we've been having time in the Word. You know, you know the Greek and the Hebrew. I mean, you pray Scripture. You ever met people like that? Like they talk to you in Scripture. You're like, I don't Okay, did Jesus say that or did you say that? And, that, and that's good. But sometimes when we start walking with Christ, we we start thinking that other people can't speak into our lives. And then we get skeptical of people's faith because we're prideful. But the, the faith of others becomes music to our ears. And what happens is the faith of others, when that happens, becomes an opportunity to strengthen one another. It's an opportunity for strength. The truth is believers need continual strength no matter where you're at in your Christian life. You need the strength of God to get you through because life is hills and valleys. That's the type of journey that we're on. And we need strength no matter where you're at. And in verse 11, he says that he desires to come to Rome. Look at it in verse 11. He says to impart to you a spiritual gift to strengthen you. The church in Rome, why does he say this? Needed strength. And the reason why they needed strength is because in, in those days, churches were started through what we call apostolic authority. Can everybody say apostolic? Apostles were people who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And part of their goal was to witness about that to other people who didn't know about Jesus Christ. And the other job was to uphold the integrity of the faith in any setting. Here, this church came to faith in Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 2 when, when the gospel was preached during a festival called the Passover. They were there for this festival where Jews would come from different parts of the ancient world to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And on, that, on one day, this man named Peter, who was an apostle, he begins to preach the gospel. And the Bible says that a lot of people believe, believed in the gospel. And some of those people were Roman Christians. And those Roman Christians went back to Rome and they started a church. Furthermore, in Jerusalem, sometime after, there was a great persecution that scattered more Jews. 
And some of those scattered Jews went to Rome, and this church in Rome began to grow. And Paul is writing this after seven or eight years that this church was planted. But it wasn't planted by an apostle. So, so this, this letter is kind of like a checkup letter, reinforcing the deep truths about God and what God has done through Jesus Christ. And here, what Paul is saying is, you need to be strengthened. And I want to strengthen you. And the way that I want to strengthen you is by preaching the gospel to you. I want to make sure that you're believing the right things at this crucial time. But even more than just upholding the integrity of their faith, if you, if you read the, the history of the church in Rome, you would see that in Rome there was also ethnic friction. Because there were Jews and Gentiles and they weren't getting along. And, and, and part of the reason they weren't getting along was because of what they believed about the gospel. So Paul is writing this letter into not only to check on their faith, he's also wanting to correct their faith. So here, Paul says, I want to impart to you a spiritual gift. Something that God has given me in his spirit to strengthen you. In these ways. Now you would think Paul, being the most famous missionary that's ever lived, even to this day, he wouldn't need no strength. You would think he would be the Christian that would be like, man, I got this. Like, I can't get no advice. I get it straight from the Bible every morning. I only give advice. (laughs) You would think that. But here in verse 12, if you look at it, he says, I want to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And then continuing on, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that I often intended to come to you. And then he says, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. What Paul is saying is, by saying, I want to reap a harvest, is that he's like, I want to benefit from the fruits of your faith. What are the fruits of faith? The fruits of faith in this context is the way that God changes you to be more like Jesus and how that transfers to other people. So the fruit of faith is love. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you understand that Jesus loves you. And because Jesus loves you, Jesus calls us to share that love with other people. That's a fruit of our faith. Or maybe it's our finances. When, when you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, Jesus, he, he reminds us that all that we have is the Lord's. The Lord gives and takes away. And because he gave it to us with a renewed perspective in Jesus, what that means is that God calls us to give to others. That's a fruit of our faith. And here Paul is saying, I want to reap a harvest from you. I want to be encouraged and stirred up. I want to be stirred up by the things that are happening there in Rome. Paul is not too much of a super Christian to get some encouragement from these people. As a point of application, you know, many times... We think that we have it all together. We live in a society where if, 
if you look at Instagram, Facebook, I mean, it's, it's all about this image about, man, I, I got more than you. My life is happy. You know, you put your Bible on Instagram and be like, just spend time with Jesus. Like, like, and, and, it, and, it, and it looks like sometimes we don't need to be replenished by God. But if Paul, being an amazing Christian, if you look, just look at his life, if he's saying, man, I want to be encouraged, I want to be strengthened by you, I want to reap a harvest, I want to get the fruit of your faith, then how much more do we need to be strengthened by other people? So the question is, how do you know you need to be replenished by the faith of other people? The way that you know that you need to be replenished by the faith of other people is when God is highlighting a particular aspect in your life that you are not submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. This could be that particular sin habit. This could be maybe the way that you deal with your possessions. Maybe this is the way that you parent your children. You know God, God is telling you, I want you to deal with that. I want you to, I'm highlighting that and I want to transform that. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not ready to do that. Well, I want to let you know this is what this text is talking about. Because if, if God is highlighting that, God wants to replenish you. And if God wants to replenish you, then God wants you to replenish you through the faith of other people. So, the good news today is that when you let other people's faith influence your life, the faith of others becomes music to the point that it reminds you of something very, very important. It reminds you that the faith of others, the faith of others reminds you that the gospel transforms. The gospel transforms. And many times we forget this, especially when we start walking with Christ. And I want you to look at in verse, in verse 14. In verse 14, he says, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. I want to pause there for a second. If you were to read Paul's life in the book of Acts, you would see that Paul had a miraculous conversion to Jesus Christ. And when he came to Jesus Christ, the interesting thing that God gave him right away was an assignment to take the gospel to non-Jews. So here in this text, when he says, I'm under obligation both to excuse me, the Greeks and the barbarians, what he's referring to is non-Jews and Greeks, um, excuse me, and barbarians here were people who, who were non-citizens of the Roman Empire. And Greeks were this elitist culture in the Roman Empire, which is to say that God can change anyone. The gospel is not just for the Jews. I am actually the apostle. I'm under obligation to preach the gospel under assignment from God himself. But then he says, he says he's also an on assignment to both the wise and to the foolish. Why does he say that? The wise were considered in that day as these elite people who were highly educated. They were the, the people who worked downtown, who, who had these, these, these penthouse offices. You know what I'm talking about? There was these people who, the, the Harvard types, the, the University of Chicago types. 
He says, I'm called, I'm called to the wise. That's what he's referring to there. And then he says, and I'm also called to the fools. And this is not m- meant to be pejorative or to, 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 to disrespect anybody, but it's actually a, kind of a kick to the face to people who think that they're better than other people because of what they have through their educational background and other stuff. He says, I'm also called to those people that are looked at as fools, those people who are less educated, who might actually be poorer than you. I'm also called for them, which reminds us of this, that the gospel transforms anybody. It could transform you no matter what your socioeconomic level is, no matter what your story is. Maybe you slept with somebody yesterday and you know you shouldn't have did that. I want to let you know that the gospel is for you, that the gospel is good news for you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I'm really struggling. I've been a Christian for like 10 years and I got this, this, this pornography addiction. I don't know who to tell. I got this lying problem. I don't know who to tell. Or I'm jealous of people constantly, but I, I can't tell nobody because I feel like I, I have an image to uphold. Here, Paul implicitly is trying to say that the gospel is for everybody, for all of us. He reminds us that the gospel transforms not only any type of person, that's the profile, but he also reminds us that the gospel can change any circumstance. Here in verse 15, he says, look at verse 15, he says, so I'm eager to preach. Church family, can you say preach? I'm eager to preach the gospel. The phrase to preach the gospel, actually, if you, if you look at the original, this was originally written in Greek. And, and our Bibles, our English Bibles do do it justice. But in, in the Greek, it carries the sense of like, I want to gospelize everything at Rome. Which is interesting because he's talking to Christians. You would think he would say, I want to preach the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. Right? That, that would make sense. But here, in verse 15, if you look at it, he says... I'm eager to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome, Christians. So what, what, what is he trying to say there? Is he trying to say that only unbelievers need the gospel? What he's trying to say is that Christians need the gospel too. Because this is interesting. As I said in the point before, there are areas that we need to be strengthening in our walks, right? And the way that you know that is when there's that particular thing that God is highlighting in your life that you still haven't submitted to his lordship. We said that, right? So the way that you are replenished is when the gospel is preached to that thing. And see, sometimes as Christians, and if you've been walking with Christ for a while, sometimes we stop believing that we don't need the gospel, But actually, the reason why we haven't submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ in particular areas in our lives is because we actually don't believe that he's lord over that. So what do we do? We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel to that thing, to that circumstance. You preach the gospel to your lying. You preach the gospel when you're faced with death. 
You preach the gospel to yourself when you are in a circumstance where you don't know where this diagnosis is going to take you. You preach the gospel to you when you're struggling with skepticism of other people coming to faith that you traditionally don't like. You preach the gospel to yourself over and over and over and over again. But even more than that, there's people around us who are broken, family. There are people who don't know Jesus as Lord at all. And if you're a Christian here today, what this text is begging us to do is to preach the gospel. Why? Because the gospel can transform any person in any situation. Now, this sermon is part of a series that we're going through the entire book of of Romans, or the entire letter of Romans. And we're calling it Doctrine That Dances. Doctrine That Dances, which is a title that means right beliefs or doctrines, that's what doctrine means, that will move you to obedience like music makes you move. Catch my drift? Today, the text... In the text that, that we have before us, the doctrine that we're dealing with is called the doctrine of sanctification. Can, can you say sanctification? sanctification? It refers to the way that God grows us or the way that God cleanses us till we die. The passage shows us primarily that the gospel sanctifies us through community. The gospel sanctifies us through the faith of other people. So you might ask, Pastor Jeremy, what is this dance of communal sanctification? This dance of where God is is cleansing you in your life. What does that look like in your life? I was talking to a a few few, uh, young adults yesterday at a church. And I was asking them, like, man, man, why is it important for leaders to, to, to kind of explain, like, what their faith journey is like? And they were telling me, they're like, man, we think it's important because sometimes it seems like leaders actually don't do stuff. Seems like, like you guys are just preaching to yourselves, but, but not really preaching to us. And I was like, man, that's, that's, that's a really good point. So, so I raised this question, like, what does that dance look like in my life? And as I was thinking about that, I, th- I thought about this last fall. And I could be open about this because it's, it's past the fall. <laughs> last fall, I hit a spiritual wall, y'all. And I was like reading my Bible. I was like praying, but I just was not feeling anything. I'm like, man, this, this faith thing, like it doesn't really compute with how I feel. And on top of that, I, I feel pretty ineffective. I feel like, man, what I'm doing and what God is doing in my life is not, is not really, like, doing anything for me. It's not really transforming my life. And in my worst moments, I was even looking for other jobs. I'm like, man, maybe I should go get another job. I don't even know if I'm, like, a real, um, you know, a real pastor. I, I don't know. I, I just feel so ineffective. And then God orchestrated something to happen to me interestingly enough, at, at our men's retreat. I, I came across this, this young believer. He came to faith here at the brook. And, 
And and one day I'm I'm talking to this to this dude and and, and I'm I'm like oh you you came to faith he's like yeah you know I believed in Jesus you know it was this miraculous thing and I'm I'm like man God God still does that man I kind of forgot about that and as he as he's telling me that I'm still a little bit skeptical because I'm not seeing God's transformation in my life and there's you know and and I'm struggling I'm there's a tug of war in my heart but like like there, there were even moments where I, I was like talking to this dude and I'm like man God is really changing his heart even to one one point I, I was meeting with this dude and and, and I, I start like you know kind of verifying if he really believes in Jesus you know you know when you do that in a, in a real subtle way and and I'm talking to him and and I and I'm like yo bro. If God doesn't give you nothing no more, will you still follow Jesus? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, nah, nah, man, you don't get it, bro. You don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it. Hold up, hold up. If living for Christ meant your life today, would would you actually still live for Jesus? And he was like, yeah, bro. And I'm like, nah, nah, this dude, this dude. All right, all right. If God took away your job, took away your family, took away, I mean, and I'm like asking him these questions. I'm like getting emotional. Like, would you really, really believe in Jesus? Would you still walk with Jesus? And he's like, bro, I'm telling you, man, God has changed my life. And I'm there like, man, I got to sit with this for a little bit more. Because I hadn't seen it in a while. I was in this rut, so we, we start chilling. We, you know, he's coming over to the house. I'm, I'm going to his house. We're, we're praying. And, and, then, and then God starts dealing with me, with things in my own life, things that, that I haven't uncovered in my own life. And as, as we're living life together, as his faith is informing my faith, and as my faith is informing his faith, the gospel begins to transform my prayer life. The gospel begins to transform my strength from weakness. And the gospel begins to change my perspective that not only does God transform any person, but God needs to continuously transform my life no matter where I'm at. So church family, today in this text, we saw the dance. The dance of prayer. It's a three-step, it's a three-step dance. It's prayer. That's what happens when the faith of others comes to other pe- to our to our ears. That we saw the step of being strengthened by other people, being replenished by other people. And we also saw the change of perspective that the gospel brings when we preach the gospel to that thing that's withholding God's blessing in our lives. That's the dance. But the music is the faith of others. In closing, I want to make a call in a few minutes as the team comes up. To those of us that are concealing something in your life that you know God wants you to unveil today in community. You've prayed about it. You've read your Bible about it. But now God is calling you to tell somebody, to let the faith of another person inform your own faith. If you're going to close your eyes, I'm just going to pray. And I want us to just sit before God right now. And I just want us to evaluate where we're at before the Lord.
What is that thing? What's holding you back from your faith in Jesus? Family, I want to let you know that forgiveness is waiting for you the moment you believe in Jesus. That truth about who you are in God is waiting for you the moment you let someone in. Father, we just want to pray right now, Lord, all over the house, God. Lord, we want to pray, Lord, that you would humble us before you, God. Lord, we don't have it all together. Lord, there's always things in our lives that we just need to make right. God, we have so many habits that are so wrong. There's things in our lives, Lord, that we know. We know, God. We know that you're telling us, Lord, that we need to change. Father, and I just want to pray for each and every person in the building right now, Lord, that feels so trapped, God. I pray that today, Lord, they would allow, even if it's my faith, the faith of the worship team, Lord, to encourage them, Lord, to remind them that you still transform, God. I pray that you would remind them right now, God, Right now, Lord, do a work in their hearts. Right now, Father. I pray for anybody who doesn't know Jesus, that this is your first time hearing about Jesus, Lord. I pray that today they would believe on you for the first time, God. Lord, do business with us. In Jesus' name, amen. The King of Kings who saves no matter what we go through or no matter what we do, God saves. God transforms. Yeah. I just, I just want to let you know that if you confess your sin to God today, I just want to let you know God forgives you. God forgives you. And after service, we, uh, we, we want to invite you to come downstairs for some light refreshments. Continue the fellowship. If you still want to be prayed for, you can still come on up even after we dismiss. But I want to leave you with a blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 25. It says, it says May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Church family, go in that peace that only Jesus gives. God bless you.